Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Dennis Kozloff. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. Good morning, church. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. I'll have to be quick. I'll try. I'll try my best. But you remember, you're a Christian, so you'll have to forgive me if I don't succeed. So, seven times seven? Yeah. Uh, we're in the middle of a series called, entitled Union with Christ. And Neil has done a great job for the first two messages. And then he asked me to, to come up with a message, Bible and the Union with Christ the Bible and the union with Christ uh, and as I started preparing for that I felt pretty much overwhelmed like what I have left 20 minutes left and I'm supposed to give you an overview of the Bible and give you like how the Bible talks about the union in Christ I'll try my best the Bible is a unique book I actually brought my heart copy Bible because that's how I started I know right now like everybody has a cell phone and in your cell phone you have your Bible and it's great but the problem is the Facebook is also there and many other things. So as you start with the Bible, you, before you know it, you're somewhere else. So it's a good have something that the battery doesn't go dead, right? So I, I, I embrace both technologies, new and old, but this is a unique book. Let me just tell you point blank. There is no genuine Christian faith without the Bible. Simple as that. I mean, I, I love our church. We worship, we, we hear good messages, and you know, we have good fellowship. But if you let this book collect the dust or you, your, your app is never open and you don't take time to get into the Word of God and the Bible, uh, you're setting yourself up for a big problem that is coming in your life. Because you won't be able to stand the test of life that are coming. And they are coming. We see they're coming every day and every week. I'm going through a personal test of mine right now this week. You know the situation in the world. You know I have a dear friends in Russia, in Ukraine. And I like this week felt like a year for me. I cried. I've been anxious. I've been calling people. I'm so glad you guys are here. And I can worship with you, Jesus. And I like it was so hard for me today to lift up my eyes of all of this stuff and lift, look away unto Jesus. And when I did, he, the power of God hit me again when I prayed for Lisa. Like I almost fell and she got healed. And it's amazing. Oh my goodness. The worse the times in the world are, it seems the best the church is doing. So don't, don't you forget it. Don't you be like the world. Don't you be like distraught to an extent. To, to an extent that you're so anxious, you, you can't lift up your eyes unto Jesus. All right, I'm, I'm, yeah, I better get back to my sermon. Okay, so the Bible is a unique book. Uh, you know, today there are people who still hand copy chapters of the Bible just to have it in their possession. Do you know that today we actually have ethnic groups, they don't have a single translation into their language. This church, Northridge Vineyard, is involved in supporting one of the translation projects. The, the pastor who used to be senior pastor, he'll Phil Shank, he's working on translating the Bible into the language of people of Tabesaran, predominantly Muslim. They don't have a single version yet. 
So, well, this book is unique. It's been, it's been, it's been banned. It's been fought against. It's been, you know, people who, who appreciated that book, they've been persecuted. A friend of mine's father spent seven years in jail for just having this book in his possession in the military. When he was, you know, drafted in the Soviet military, he had, somebody gave him a New Testament. He was, he, he, he was hiding this New Testament, New Testament. He was reading it and he was sharing with others and he got busted. He ended up seven years for this book. Jail time. And many people, you know, I remember my first time when I became a Christian and uh, my life got filled with, with, with uh, joy and hope and anticipation and all these people that infused me with this joy, they were all had one trait and the same trait. They all had this book and they all kept talking to me about God and pointing to this book and talking to me about God and pointing to this book and they were telling me that God loves me and I believed them but for some reason they... And I said, can I have that? And they gave me New Testament. That was my first Bible. And I just, I fell in love with it. I began to read it. I began to devour it. And then I learned, oh, I didn't get a complete Bible. I said, there is a complete Bible. I said, what do you mean complete Bible? I don't, don't I have a complete? No. They said, there's an Old Testament. And you, oh, how can I get a complete Bible? They said, oh, you're, you're not ready yet. You need to read your New Testament at least five times. I said, all right. I just, I binged read it for like, I, the, 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 there was a month, there was a blur. I don't remember how I wake up. I was a teenager. I didn't work. I didn't have to pay bills. So I just was reading my Bible. Oh, and funny thing, interesting thing was happening. I probably understood 20% of what I was reading. But listen, life was filling me. I just, I just, I just learned that something is like resonating in me. Every once in a while, a verse in the Bible will just hit me. I go, whoa, oh my goodness, God is real. And I would start talking to people about it. And I would see their hearts pierced and the Holy Spirit fall on them and the tears. I mean, I was a 16-year-old boy, had no life experience. And I would talk to a 60-years-old person. And that person would be crushed by the Holy Spirit and receive Jesus on the spot. The Bible is a unique book. You know, the early church held the Bible in high regards. If you read any of the writings of the church, early church fathers, so-called, you know, teachers of the church, we call them church fathers, you will see it's replete with quotes and citations of the Bible and allusions to the Bible. But over the course of time, the Bible was taken away from people. And those times became to be known in history as dark ages. Common people could not read the Bible. Common people could not have any access to these texts. The only people who could read it were very educated theologians, monks, bishops. And here's what happened. Bible is alive. So those people, when they were reading it, they began to see the discrepancy between what the so-called church claimed the reality is and what the Bible said. And those people became what we call reformers. They reformed the church. They changed the face of, the, of Europe. One of them is Martin Luther. We, we mentioned him several times. He's a great reformer. Here's what he said about the Bible after he already launched the Reformation. He said, the Bible is alive. It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. It lays hold of me. 
and he said this, a simple layman armed with scripture is to be believed above a pope or a cardinal without the Bible. Do you understand that you have more power than the pope? Because you have this book. All right. So you know why it's, it's amazing? Because it's God breathed. Second Timothy 3.16. All of you know John 3.16. You can remember it this way. Second Timothy 3.16 speaks about the Bible. ESV translation. King James says, all scripture is given by the inspiration of the Spirit. It's a good translation. This is more literal. If you read Greek, it says basically all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Can we go on? We don't have a next verse. Well, anyway, for further on, if you keep reading, it says, so that the man of God would be complete. Oh, we have it. No, 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 no. Come back. So the man of God will be complete and ready for every good work. Yeah, so if, if there's no, once again, I'll say, no Bible in your life, no genuine Christian faith is going to grow in your life. I'm sorry. And you want to be complete. You want to be able to be used by God for mighty exploits. You want to see the reality of God released from you and through you. You have to love the Bible in a living way. You know, it contains the words that can release life into your being. Many of you experience that. How many of you experience life coming into you when you read the Bible? Well, some of you didn't. That's okay. Just, just don't lean on your mind when you read the Bible so much. Open your heart and say, Lord, speak to me. Here's the secret. When you receive Jesus... The Spirit of God came into your spirit. And the same Spirit breathed those words out. And your spirit gets this Spirit in the Word as the food, as the drink, as the living water. You get strengthened. You get sustenance. Your inner man begins to grow strong. That's the, the secret of the Bible. So if you're a new believer or recently began to take your faith seriously, you need to learn to love the Bible and to read the Bible in this living way. Listen, we understand that. But there is a particular problem for Christians who love the Bible already and receive the, the Spirit from it. This problem is a problem of a uh, different nature. You might read the Bible for years. But if I ask you today, even pastors, Pastor Dave, Pastor Neil, Pastor Dennis, what is the Bible about? I'll hear all kinds of answers uh, and they'll be somewhat different. I mean, they were overlap. So here, uh, one author called it a dysfunctional closet syndrome. Just imagine you come to a closet in your house, you open it and it's jam packed with miscellaneous stuff. There are books, there are board games, there are recipes, there are notes, there are textbooks, there are all kinds of stuff and there's no rhyme or, or method about it. There's like no usually when you don't know how to find things you don't know how to use things usually what happens I, I don't know about you i would if i see something like that i would get overwhelmed and i would say well one day i'll sort it out and i'll close it <laughs> and that's how we live as christians very often we we love the bible we get inspiration we get insights we get but we can't really see the whole picture of all of the bible what is this book is about we, we can't see this you see for us to make sense of this book we call the Bible, we need to have the unifying 
story. We have to have this golden thread that runs from the beginning to the end. We have to, we have, to have this bird's eye view vision, big picture. That's what we need. Paul said he prayed for the believers in, in, in Ephesus to see that big picture because that's what keeps you on the track. Also, it helps you to make sense not only of the Bible but of human history. If you see a big picture in the Bible, it, make, it helps you to make sense not only of the history but of your own life. Things in your life happen that scream at you that there is no meaning. There is no sense. What happened this last week screamed at me. I wanted to wake up. I thought I have a bad dream. I had those dreams when I was a kid. I was afraid of nuclear war. And I saw this footage from the internet that was exactly what I saw as a kid. My friend's father, who was a little kid when Nazis invaded Ukraine, was hiding with his mother and his parents in, in, a, in a, it's not a basement, it's like a cellar, separate cellar. Today he is over 80 years old, he's hiding in the same cellar. My heart is torn apart. In two weeks I'm, I'm traveling to, uh, to Florida. I, we combined our vacation with, with ministry time to Ukrainian church there. And I called the pastor and I said, I totally understand if you would say no to me to, to come to your church. No, he said, please come. Please minister. Please pray for me to be able to minister to those people. To, for, for, for the gospel of Jesus. My heart is broken, but the gospel of Jesus Christ can restore people. Okay, I'm getting distracted. You'll have to forgive me. So you need to gain this bird's eye view, this big picture to overcome this dysfunctional closet syndrome in your life. And most of us have this syndrome, unfortunately. So, well, of course, people study different topics in the Bible. It's, it, it's a good thing. It's a good way to approach Bible study. But in a sense, you can live all your life looking at individual trees and not being able to see the forest. So in order to see this big picture, I want to tell you, that the golden thread running through the Bible is the most intimate union of God with His redeemed people in Jesus Christ. This is what God had in mind from eternity past and this is what He has been pursuing through all of, through all of the history and through all of your life. I'll say it again. The golden thread is God's heart's desire, His good pleasure, His longing to unite His redeemed people with Himself to such an extent that it's the most intimate union ever. In able to see this golden thread, to see this big picture, you need to look at the very beginning of the Bible and at the very end of the Bible. And I'll start with the cheat sheet. I'll go to the very end of the Bible right now. Let's look at the book of Revelation, probably the most cryptic, the most mysterious, the most misunderstood and misrepresented book, but we still can see certain things very clearly. Let's look at, the, at chapter 21. Last two chapters, first two chapters of the book of Genesis, last two chapters of the book of Revelation. This is the very beginning of the Bible. By the way, the reason the Bible is hard to understand is because it's not really a book. It's a library. It's a collection of books that have been written over 1500 years by different people who had different views on life, on God, on, on anything. All right? So, 
let's read Revelation 21 verses from 1 to 5 and then we'll read 9 through 11. That's the very end. That's what it's all about. That's how the Bible ends. That's the great consummation. And I know many of you know these words. Let's listen to them again as we have never listened to them before. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down of heaven from God. Listen to this. Prepared as a bride. Bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And He will dwell with them. They will be His people. And God Himself will be with them and be their God. I'm sorry, Parker. <laughs> oh, it's not Parker. We could, oh, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, he will, it says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. There will be no more death, nor crying, nor pain. For the old order of things has passed away. There will be no more of those things one day. Why? Because there will be the most intimate union completed. There will be a great consummation of what has already started in Jesus. One of the seven angels, verse 9, one of the angels came to John and he said, Come, I will show you the bride. The bride, the bride, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high. And he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God. That's how it ends. That's how it ends. It's a bride and a bridegroom. And a great consummation. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a love story, believe it or not. This is the language of the union with God and communion with Him. On one hand, it's called the city, right? But on the other hand, it's called the bride prepared for the bridegroom. This is the language of the ultimate and the most intimate union of loving God and His redeemed people. This is the golden thread that runs through the entire Bible. So if anybody asks you a question, of course it's a simplistic answer, but you can say, in general, I don't have time to unpack it for you, but God is gaining His bride. Amen. The gospel is a mystery how the power of God transformed this world, replete with those evil things. Somehow His power is sufficient to transform it and turn it into this amazing oneness between Him and His people. Now let's look at the beginning of the book, the book of Genesis. And you know, here's the thing. Throughout church history, many theologians and, and uh, teachers of the church, they got the wrong beginning. I mean, it's not totally wrong, but it's a little bit off. They start everything with the fall, with what the theologians call the fall, with the sin of our forefathers or, or, or our ancestors, Adam and Eve. They, they start with uh, disobedience, with sin, with curse, with death, with corruption. And they show how God 
fixes it all, redeems it all. And it's true. It's a legitimate way to approach it, but it's truncated. If you embrace it as a whole of reality, as, as totality of, of the Bible story, you will think that Jesus is a plan B. You would think that in the beginning when they were in the garden, it was God had everything he longed for. He didn't. You would think that God was happy with just having two veget naked vegetarians hanging out in the garden with him. That's not it. There's a short account of the creation, but then there's a long process. But I want you to see the first two chapters, even before the sin has entered, even before the curse began, even before the corruption happened, there was something happening there. And I want you to see that there are seeds in the first two chapters of the book of Genesis, the very beginning of the Bible. And if you don't get lost in the middle and get to the end, to the book of Revelation, in, in the last two chapters of the book of Revelation, every seed from there is brought to its full fruition. God creates things and He doesn't take Him much. He just says, I mean, I'm not going to read it for the sake of time. He just, you, many of you know the account, right? God says, let there be this. Boom! This is there. And then God looks at it and he says, oh, this is good. It turned out real good. And then he said, now, next thing, let there be this. And this is there. Boom! And he looks at it. See, he doesn't see what he's doing. But when it happens, he sees it and he says, ha, ha, I'm good at that. It's good. It's good. Let there be this. Boom. Ooh. Let me see. Good. And then he finally comes to the creation of us. And it's different. And he takes a counsel within himself. He says, let us create something very special. Something that would reflect my image, my likeness. Would be able to have a spirit. To contain my spirit. And to fully express me. Let me make a little copy of me. That I will be able to love and pour out of my love. And entry, usher them into the middle of my eternal fellowship of love. The, the Son, the Father, the Holy Spirit and us. And he said, let there be that. He actually forms us. He makes us. And then... All scriptures, he breathes into us. Oh, I promised Neil that I'm not going to whisper in my preaching. Okay, I'm not whispering. I'm yelling at you. So he breathes and boom, there was a man called Adam. And God looked and you know what he said? Very good. Very, not just good, very good. God was happy. He was rubbing his palms like that. Awesome. I'm getting ready to start what's going to make me happy. What's going to make me happy is going to make this dude happy. That's the beginning. And then he grabs Adams by hand and hand in hand, talking to each other, they get involved into this process of structuring the world. Adam participates in the creation of the world by walking with God, hand in hand, looking at things and speaking. Just like God speaks things into existence, Adam speaks things into existence. He said, this is elephant. God says, that's right, that's elephant now. You made it an elephant. Who would have known? You know, this is giraffe. This is this. This is that. Ooh, it was so exciting. Adam was kind of creating the world together with God by his words. But one thing was discovered. He could not find a match for himself. And you know what? Even before the sin came into the world, 
God spoke good, 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 very good. And then he said, it's no good. Do you know what, words, what were those words about? Yes, Adam. God, looking at this wonderful world that he created, set everything up. He said, this is not good for Adam to be alone. He said, I'm going to do something about it. It's not a creation anymore. It's a very strange process. He puts Adam to sleep. He, he opens his side. He takes part of Adam's nature, his rib, part of his DNA. I don't know. He took part of his being. And he made it into a perfect match for Adam. And Adam was happy to an extent, but he wasn't happy. He wasn't complete. There was no woman. Adam woke up, opened his eyes, and he goes, Whoa! That's Dennis Kozlov version of the Bible. That, it never stopped throughout the history. Men go crazy when they see the perfect match. They go, oh, that has been the theme of all the songs, all the movies, all the stories, all of that. Because it reflects what God wanted you to see in the beginning. And Paul, Apostle Paul says that the first marriage, first union, and Adam I mean, he was so happy. He said, wow, this is, the, this is the perfect match. This is the blood of my blood. This is the bone of my bone. This is the flesh of my flesh. This is another me that can join me and we can be complete and happy. You see, if you read two chapters of Genesis, you will see a garden. The seed is brought all the way to the end of the book of Genesis. You'll see a garden that became the city. You see a river there. You see a river of life with a crystal water. You see a tree of life in the middle of the garden of Eden in the first two chapters of Genesis. You see the same tree in the middle of the new Jerusalem. And you see somebody who is not satisfied, who can't find rest and completeness without a perfect match for him to love. <laughs> you see it. Brought to its full fruition. You see marriage of the Lamb. You see bridegroom and a bride. Believe it or not, Bible is not a religious book. It's a book. It's a convoluted, complicated, very sophisticated collection of texts. But it's about this, the most intimate union that can ever happen in universe. And... I, I hate Facebook. That's a sudden switch. There are many reasons I hate Facebook. But at the same time, I love Facebook. And I thought, what makes me like Facebook? You know why? I realized one thing that makes me like it. Because I can watch couples. I can watch families. I could watch young people falling in love, announcing their engagement. You know, we have Mary and we have Seth. And they're, they're like they're, they're bride and bridegroom to be, to become in May. That's going to be the ultimate consummation. So look at these guys. They are a type of what God is about in the history of the world. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying if you're not married, you're not, you're not like a complete person. You are a complete person. But this is a great, family is a great, I love to see I love to see when, you know, families are created, kids are born, and then the first birthday, one year, little cake, messy face, hands, you've seen them all. 
the life is messy, but it's so beautiful. The life is produced by the love of God in physical world and in spiritual world. So I, I know, like, I, I'm done today, guys. I, I'm totally done. But I just wanted to, to get you to try to get you to think about this golden thread that, that runs through the Bible and unites it all together. And one important thing, just, just at the end, I want you to know, New Jerusalem that we read about, it's not just for you to change your address. It's not a place you're going to after you die. You are New Jerusalem. Did you, do you get it? You are. You, you become New Jerusalem. For many Christians, Christianity became a, a life insurance, uh, how do you call it, a fire, eternal fire insurance policy. And uh, guaranteed change of address for a better version of Florida with golden pavement. <laughs> That's a lie. That's very poor picture. You don't move to New Jerusalem. You become New Jerusalem. And the moment you become New Jerusalem is the moment you change your location. Dennis, you, which is it? Yes, you change your location. Paul said that if you are in Christ, you become a new creation. He said that you've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His beloved Son. When? Now. When for the first time in your life you call on the name Lord Jesus, so our brother presented to us the uh, Revive Ohio, that will be a chance for many people to transfer from one realm to another. They, they, so somehow, I don't know how, Paul had a hard time expressing it with human language. He was probing for new words, but he said he coined this term in Christ. So if you called the name of Jesus and invited, invited him in, in, into your life, you have been moved already. You say, Dennis, I live in Springfield, Ohio. Yes, but no. You have already come to be part of New Jerusalem today. You are in Christ Jesus. You are a new creation. That's why you can fully count on turning, converting your life into a foretaste, experiential foretaste, of what's coming in the age to come. The power that will be completely revealed at the end can shine through you now. The glory that will shine at the end can, can break through you now as you pray for somebody, as you speak to, to somebody, as, as you just hug somebody. The presence of God is within your spirit today if you are a Christian. Learn to live by this reality. And the Bible will help you with this as a spiritual food. I am done. It was probably difficult to understand. But I, I bet you got something out of it. All right? So go and love your Bible for the sake of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.